Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. Before we jump into this week's theme, I just want to acknowledge that this is our last podcast for 2021. How amazing is this? Wow. Yeah. And it's kind of a cool theme that we're ending 2021 on. Destiny. And and so if you wouldn't mind, just what is the flower that's representing uh, destiny? So this is card number 14, and it's the Pasque flower. And what are we looking at? The artist Arlene really, I feel like, changed her style up a little bit, or maybe it's just the flower. What, what are we looking at? So I'm actually honored to have the original of this card. So I see this card every day. Humble brag. (laughs) (laughs) And looking at it in a small view with the card, it just to me looks like a little spider. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like the the side of it, of the flower, the, the leaves are kind of long and thin. And then in the... And the petals they look like kind legs. of yeah, and the petals are kind of uh, you know sloping down a little bit, and then the middle is very textured and fuzzy looking in the in the center. And you can almost imagine the stem as like part of the web uh, mm-hmm. that the that the spider is on, and it kind of feels. I have to be honest that this card is a little mm, makes me nervous. There's a creepiness to it. And so the fact that maybe it is a spider and spiders sort of creep along and you can see it's sort of its legs moving and they sort of dance on this, the web of life, if you will, is is kind of perfect for the theme of destiny. But before we jump into that, like, tell us a little bit more about this flower. It is actually part of the buttercup family, which I was really surprised by. And it's also a cousin to the anemone flower, which is our first flower of the card deck. And um, it's actually named after the holiday of Easter. Um, Hmm. So I I thought that was really interesting that it came from the celebration of Easter, which is it's an old French word for Easter. Um, And it's actually one of the reason why it's connected to Easter is because it's actually one of the earliest flowers to bloom in springtime. Hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was really fascinating. Describe the color of it. Cause I feel like the color of it is pretty unique as well. Yeah. So the natural wild color of it is actually this purple, this dark purple. And, um, and then later on when they started to cultivate this flower, they've created, um, a red as well. And there's also a white, uh, version of, of the Pasque flower and, uh, connecting back again to the Easter theme, um, the juice of the purple flower actually was a non-permanent stain that they used to dye the Easter eggs in some of the European countries. So it's interesting hmm. how the color inspired the tradition. Wait, um, say that again. So they use the color from the flower as yeah, a the dye? Yeah, the juice, the purple juice of the flower was turned into a non-permanent dye that they used to decorate the Easter eggs in some of the European countries. And you said purple. Yes. Well, this is fascinating because we learned from one of our listeners that purple sort of in ancient times was really powerful because of how hard it was to get this color. And this is why oftentimes purple is associated with royalty 
because of the labor it took to get this color to a point where you can create a dye uh, for clothes and garments and whatnot, which we talked about in our mystery episode. And so it's kind of cool that this flower, which is on Easter, which is all about rebirth and renewal. uh, And I love this idea of what does rebirth and renewal look like relative to our destiny? Um, And so I looked up a little bit of like, where, what is the etymology of the word destiny? And it comes from Latin destinata, uh, which means to make firm or establish. And so it's the sense that that which has been firmly established as in fate. And so this is where I have to say again, the creepiness of the spider looking flower with this fate is a very kind of, I don't know what my relationship is to fate because I part of me has like a real strong attachment to choice and agency. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes fate is like, hey, it's all been predestined, right? And if you think destiny destined, the destination has already been sort of foretold. And so how do we sort of balance destiny and choice? And what does that mean for fate? So I had to look up fate and in mm. Latin, uh, fate comes from fatum, that which has been spoken. And so this then all of a sudden kind of resonated deeply with me because if you've listened to this podcast before, my name is Omar, which I believe in Hebrew uh, means he who speaks. And so I feel like, wow, okay, so if fate is what do we speak into existence then in some ways there is some agency and choice. Like what are we speaking into existence? And if that is our destiny is what are we acknowledging? What are we noticing? And this is then it ties into this practice of gratitude, which is gratitude makes visible what we value. Um, But it also helps us to acknowledge maybe what we take for granted. And so choice is something that we can take for granted. And what are we really choosing to acknowledge and speak into existence? That's really powerful. And it makes me think of Charlotte's Web, Mm. one of my favorite books as a child and how if you ever see a spider weaving a web, it's, it's such an intricate process and, and it takes some choice, right? How do you go from point A to point B to point C and, and how do those threads all connect? And so it really does feel very empowering how we create that web for our own lives, just like you're saying. So, you know, I'm working on a fable and there's this one character and it's um, centered around a beaver and her colony and her friends. And there's this one scene where we talk about being on the, the web of life and the character's a little nervous and when we're nervous, sometimes we tend to sort of like cling on to or hold tightly. And the character kind of realizes that she has some choice and some agency. And she's willing to sort of pluck the string a little bit and sort of feel the sort of the vibration and be like, okay, it's sort of like pinching yourself. Like, okay, what does it mean to be alive? And then she goes on and actually jumps off this web And in jumping off the web, she realizes that she is the thread. 
And so that she doesn't actually have to cling to this web anymore, that she can actually just go wherever she wants to go and recognizing that the thread will follow her. And so I love this idea that what we speak into existence and what we're willing to let go of really enables us to sort of, I don't know, follow our passions and really sort of explore life in a, in a, in a full way. And, and, and sometimes we create these fears unnecessarily. I love that too, because I think this is the time of year where we're most reflective, you know, for those of us that follow the, the calendar, um, it's, you know, you, you can't help but think, wow, how did I use this time of 2021? And, and how do I want to make best use of this new year that's happening soon? And it does, it can feel very high stakes and, 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 what you're saying from your character and in, in your book is it can also be fun. I, I'm just imagining, you know, bouncing from one web to another and it's like a trampoline and, and just being guided by that. I, I love that. You're like, for those of you who use this thing called the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> well, some countries follow the a moon calendar, uh, the lunar calendar. I, I know, but I, I appreciate <laughs> you acknowledging that, you know, the calendar is an assumption. It is one way of being in the world. And I know you love your moons. And so like your, your calendar has 13 months in it. <laughs> so um, I can't wait to hear what the artist Arlene Kimsuda and how she a, just came to this flower and then how destiny spoke to her through it. Here is the story of the destiny card featuring the Pasque flower. This drawing was the first in a series inspired by stories my father told me about flowers he remembers from his childhood. I drew this image from a photo of a Korean Pasque flower, which based on Korean folklore is also known as the grandmother flower. As the drawing came to life, I felt it had a strong likeness to a spider. And the spider in Louise Bourgeois' famous sculpture called Mama came to mind. The message the flower seemed to say to me when I was drawing it was, pay attention, your destiny depends on it. I think of spiders as mysterious master weavers and can see how they could be symbolically connected to our mothers and grandmothers who feel like the first weavers of our lives carrying us from the moment we're conceived and then bringing us into this world where we each are born with the threads that ultimately define the tapestry of life we must weave for ourselves. I think those threads that are part of us when we're born define the fate we're born with, but then destiny feels a little different. Destiny feels more like it is about how we choose what to do with the threads we start with what we choose to do with all the gifts and all the suffering we experience in our lives. In that way, destiny feels powerfully terrifying and potentially so beautiful all at once. Sort of like this flower, a little scary, yet strangely beautiful and mesmerizing in a way too. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Uh, the synchronicity of uh, of our connections around this plant is incredible. I also have to say that Arlene's father sounds pretty cool because I feel like a number of the flowers that she chose to illustrate and the ones that even made it into the 39 
uh, debt collection were inspired by her father and his stories from Korea. And I just, it made me really appreciate how much he must have been paying attention to the space that he was in. Like, yeah, I don't know if all these flowers were in his like backyard or if they were in his neighborhood. Um, but he seemed to really have a strong connection to these flowers and, and it, it's exciting to, or it's just inspiring to hear how, the retelling of these flowers then has shaped so much of what Arlene has then started to pay attention to. I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times and he's this sweet, soft-spoken man. And you just can tell how much he loves to garden. He um, actually was tending to a community garden in Oakland, not far from my house there. And uh, it was just really neat to walk that garden recently with Arlene and have her show me all the plots of land that he tended to. And, and yeah, it's interesting her story about just how she acknowledges the threat in, in terms of the generational and the feminine and just this idea of the web of life that we just talked about. And the balance between choice and fate. And, you know, and we're sometimes we're given these initial threads and what do we do with them? And maybe that's the way to reconcile the paradox between fate and choice is that like we are given something from the beginning and what do we then do with that gift? Uh, And so this is where both our choices and our fate are deeply intertwined. And how intentional she was about the scariness of this plant. I was actually surprised. That was the first time I'd ever heard her say that and, and how she acknowledges that the gift is in a talent but the gift is also in the suffering that we go through in life. And those are all the th- parts of the thread that we have to learn to weave together. So I feel like this week's free association game where we just riff on five words each that come up. So would you like to go first this week or would you like me to go first? I think you can go first today. All right. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to do easy spider. Web. Pluck. Choice. Tasty. Curious. Savor. Discernment. Sensory. I appreciate how there was an embodiment with this card and how in the free association. And I think this is one of the things that I've been really learning through this practice with gratitude and gratitude blooming in particular is how important the embodiment element is, right? Like that it's not just the thinking mind that sort of understands the concept. And I feel like oftentimes in this space, we talk about habits and habits become very technical. And we're like, oh, we're going to tell you the science of habits and you change your habits and your life will change. But without ever really inhabiting the feelings themselves. And this is again why sort of I feel like I stumbled into the practice of gratitude and it shifted so much for me was that like it began with a feeling. 
and just acknowledging that feeling and that emotion. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, it, it's this knowledge that's in my bones now. You know, my fa- one of my favorite sayings from um, uh, the Asaro tribe is that knowledge is just a rumor until it's felt in the bones. And so moving from just knowledge as theory to knowledge that we feel in our bones, I feel like that's where uh, embodiment and the practice of gratitude is so transformative. Mm. Are we ready to hear the prompt? What is the prompt for this week? 14, Pasch flower, representing destiny. Notice what makes you come alive. What is something you feel called to do? What do you feel called to do, Belinda? Well, I'm really struck by what you just said, Omar, about feeling, really inhabiting the feeling. And it's interesting that this prompt is about aliveness. So it's not about fate. It's not about the your big purpose. It's actually just about aliveness. And And I remember when we were writing this prompt, we wanted it to feel tangible in a day-to-day kind of way. And yeah, when the spider is weaving the web, it's alive. It's creating something. And in um, some Native American traditions, the spider represents the grandmother creator. And I think for me, it is this, this feeling of I'm making something. I am, whether it's arranging a bouquet of flowers or even making my bed in an intentional way, um, it just makes the physical sense of living really present. Um, And I think that's, it's really energizing that way when I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm creating something. And sometimes it's a necessary thing, but other times it's, for the sake of beauty or um, just because it feels good. (laughs) And and what is that? um, I love that. I was just listening to um, a Zen priest talk and she says, don't do something just because it feels good. Do it because it fills you up with goodness. Mm. And I love that distinction between just what feels good in the moment versus what is actually nourishing and fills me up with goodness. And so if, as you're an entrepreneur and you love to create, you've had some recent examples of just creating and then creating an invitation for others to co-create with you. Maybe you could share uh, your experiences with the yurts. (laughs) I was wondering if you were going to go there. So many of you know um, this land in Mount Shasta. We call our retreat center Hestia or Estia after the Greek goddess of the fire, the hearth, the family. And uh, since 2014, my husband and I have been stewarding this land. And in the beginning, it was an A-frame house that the family before had built um, from their own hands. And then um, a little shack, a little A-frame shack along the creek that we um, was our first project of just bringing something back to life and 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 just really learning what is that process of physically making something that is livable and um, people can enjoy. And 
four years into this exploration, we felt like the community started to outgrow the A-frame house, the living room that was our hearth uh, that you, Omar, have been able to experience with the team. So you get that feeling of the of the you know center of the community and. So in 2018, we built a 30-foot yurt um, to really honor this expansive energy of the community coming together and, you know, just have been really slowly trying to understand, you know, what is the land asking of us? Um, what is the call from the land? And, and uh, a couple months later, after our first yurt, we had a community member actually donate a 22-foot traditional Mongolian yurt just to say, hey, I've I've grown and evolved and healed so much on this land. I just want to give you this gift for others to enjoy, for more, more people to have a place to actually stay when they come to the land. And just this year, and I know you and I've talked a lot about this, you know, with your background in finance and real estate, you know, how can we engage the community in a meaningful way to expand the spaces, the dwellings on the land, because that's something I'm, I feel a strong call that literally more and more people can spend, you know, more immersive time in nature here. And, and so we literally just need more year-round spaces. And what's lovely about yurts is they're designed for impermanence in some ways. You know, the Mongolians, um, they created this idea of a dwelling so that they could literally move around and still be comfortable. And so, you know, we, we thought, well, what would it look like if we engaged community members into a five-year opportunity to invest in the cost and the construction of a 20-foot yurt? And, and we share the wealth and the abundance that comes from the people that stay there. And you know, it was a little scary asking people to be a part of this vision. And, and, you know, when money's involved, it gets a little, you know, kind of awkward. Um, but we had five individual groups raise their hand and say, hey, we want to be a part of this. And we want to be literally on the land helping you build this. And we want to see what happens in five years. And we want to be able to live here part time as well. So, it's been a beautiful evolution of weaving people's destinies almost together through this very tangible thing. What I love about this story, particularly as it relates to the theme of destiny, is again, it's in the word. Destiny is to make firm or to establish. And you had this sort of, I don't know, to say, I would say imagination to see what could be there, right? And part of that was just informed by listening to the land and seeing kind of what opportunity could arise in this sort of organic but intentional way. And then now to be co-creating, co-investing with these other people who now get to share and like who knows what is unlocked and unleashed with that collective imagination. You know, part of this all reminds me of... Um, this quote from Howard Thurman, he says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And so your aliveness to what is possible then creates that spark for other people to feel alive too. Wow. Thank you for being my mirror. 
each week, <laughs> Omar. Um, so we have two clips from our gratitude circles that we get to share today related to the theme of destiny. Looking at this card, um, it's, it's a flower that I would overlook. So it's something that never heard of a Pascade flower before, but it seems to be something that um, something that I'm, I would overlook and not be drawn to. But um, as I look at, as I think about destiny and fulfilling my destiny, my purpose and what I'm called to do and what, what brings, um, what makes me come alive is being able to help other people. Um, whether that, like for me, it's just, I've gone through so many challenges and still I'm going through so many challenges, but I realized that being able to find my breath when I found yoga, um, that it made me come alive. It actually made me feel, acknowledge my feelings, find my breath, find my voice. Um, and sharing that with other people that are going through stressful times, times of uncertainty, which we are all going through, um, especially for me, a woman of color um, and a Christian woman of color. Um, yoga is something that, you know, within my community as a Christian woman, it was kind of frowned upon, but finding that and finding how it actually brought some life back to me is what livens me and being able to share that with other other women of color or people that are going through um, crazy stressful situations. So in this practice of listening, Linda, and what resonated with you, what words spoke to you? Overlooked Christian woman of color yoga. And for me, the words I found my breath, found my life. I don't feel like I know myself. I feel like my everyday is thinking, okay, what's my passion? What is it I want to do? What am I what am I being drawn to? And I don't feel like I'm being drawn to anything. And I am such a passionate person. I have so many um, causes and so many um, just uh, deep, deep feelings about lots of social issues and lots of um, plights of people in the world. And I feel like with all of those things, I should have some destiny and I should have some some cause or something that I'm feeling completely drawn to. And I right now, like I'm swimming in this abyss of time is going, time is moving on. And, and there's this strange feeling of that it stopped because we're in the middle of this pandemic and that we can't do anything. And and that's not true. And my my youngest son just turned 18 and keeps saying to me, time is moving. Like this is still our real life. This is still our our time. And we can't just hold. And and when that came up, like I said, I just felt like, okay, this is another calling. This is another 
direction of you need to figure out who you are and what you're being called to do and what your destiny is. And, and I feel this anxiety of time hasn't stopped. And I need to figure this out. I need to figure this out. Time is still moving. What's my passion? Who am I? I'm in this. I'm in this abyss. I have so many passions. But what is my destiny? Who am I? I'm just deeply moved by this thread of identity. Who are we? What are we here to do? And with this card and the end of this year and everything we've been through in the last two years in particular, it's been an invitation to really question who are we? What are we doing here? What really matters the most? And to know that with destiny is we can speak into existence that which we want to make firm and establish. And that's the invitation. And even if it's just something as simple as what makes you come alive and to own that and to name that and to share that, to write that, to yurt that, to do all that. How beautiful. Well, that's the perfect segue into our practice, uh, our final practice for 2021. And Omar, I'm going to change it up a little bit, and um, I'm going to invite you to practice with me uh, live today. Let's do it. So, So this practice is feel and invite your aliveness. So you can do this alone, uh, you know, while you're listening to the podcast, or you could actually invite a friend at some point or a family member to uh, connect with you, just like how we're doing it together. So Omar, what does aliveness feel like in your body as you just sit with that feeling of aliveness? What I feel is just um, in my chest, in the front of my chest, I feel a little nervousness and aliveness. Um, I can feel it in the palms of my hands and just sort of an energy that's like moving, that's like saying, okay, here I am. And to hold on, but to hold on with gentleness and so that I can be connected to this thread, but not sort of grip it, um, which then sort of invites infinite possibilities. So yeah, for this first step, just acknowledge and feel that aliveness. We cannot follow our aliveness if we don't know what it feels like. So Omar, you're just feeling that aliveness in your body and noticing, you know, when that comes up for you in your body. Now for the second part, 
what would it look like to really follow that feeling of aliveness? When do you feel alive? It's interesting when you ask the second question, the energy moves to my back and to my feet. And so it's almost like now I can feel like the wind behind me pushing me forward and then my feet kind of running ahead. So it's interesting to feel the energy move from the front of my chest and my hands to my back to my feet. And when you think of that movement, that forward movement, what is something you feel called to do to really invite in that aliveness, you know, whether it's today or tomorrow or something, you know, for the next couple of weeks as we close out the year, what, what is that? You and I have had some recent conversations about where gratitude blooming is going for 2022. And, and really it's, been also an invitation of like, what do I want to sort of do and contribute in that way? And in my heart of hearts, I'm a catalyst. I love that creating when it's messy and it's not clear what the opportunity really is, or certainly the destiny and jiving in and just getting my hands dirty and, and figuring out what is that thing. But once there's a thing I kind of really like to then pass it along to other people to then actually execute. And so for me, I've been figuring out like, how do I create a space where I can kind of constantly be in a place of new beginnings? How is it that I can constantly be a catalyst, but sustain it? And so, you know, and I think part of what I'm excited about with Gratitude Blooming is we're we're starting to look at NFTs for those who maybe have heard that term, non-fungible tokens, and how do we continue to build community um, around the art for Gratitude Blooming? Um, and just how do I continue to help bring people together to make things happen? And what is it that you're going to have to let go of to really make space for your for that aliveness? Well, I think part of what I've had to let go already was, you know, I uh, co-founded an app focus on the practice of gratitude. And in November, we hired a CEO to run that. And so I'm no longer involved in the day to day. And so I think part of it is making these choices of like, okay, to be a catalyst, then I have to let go of some things like the day-to-day things and the execution. And when, you know, I do what I do because I have a lot of passion and love for what I'm creating. And so learning to like, let things go and let other people sort of build on them and take it where they want to go. Um, and so it's learning to just pass the baton and to really be transparent and clear, like, okay, Now it's your turn. (laughs) Thank you, Omar. So for those of you that are practicing, really the steps are to feel your aliveness, to acknowledge your aliveness, and to invite that aliveness through the choices that you make, whether that is changing what you decide you're going to do or letting go of something old that needs to be released 
really creating space to feel more alive, to be more alive. Thank you, Belinda, for this practice. And thank you to you who are listening, who have been with us on this journey that Belinda and I started this podcast five months ago, four months ago. And, you know, we couldn't do this without you. So each time you send us a message, you call or leave us a text on the gratitude hotline, it makes a difference. And we really want to see 2022 a great expansion in how we are connecting with you and the spaces that we're in. We're looking at creating a Discord uh, server so we can really convene even more. But we want to hear your ideas as well. So beyond just liking, following, subscribing, and all those wonderful things, what yurts can we create together? You know, what can we co-invest <laughs> in? What can we do? Uh, and just know that that invitation is sincere and true. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us on this journey in our collective destiny. Cheers. Cheers. And Happy New Year. <laughs>